Good morning. If you have your Bibles this morning, I'd like to invite you to open them to the book of Exodus, chapter 13. Exodus 13. And uh, tonight, of course, is the baptism. We want to invite you, if you've not been baptized, to come and be baptized. If you have been baptized, I'd just like to invite you to come and, and be a blessing to those who are being baptized. It's going to be a good time. So that's this evening, and it's not too late to sign up. So we just want to encourage you to do so. We've been going through the entirety of the Bible. This is the way the Bible says we are to learn God's Word. Line upon line, precept upon precept out of the book of Isaiah, not my favorite topics or the topics that are popular of the day, but actually we live by every word Jesus said that proceeds from the mouth of God. The Bible will correct bad doctrine if people will read the Bible. It's amazing how that works. When you look at the entirety, because you can have an idea, but then you'll start reading and the Bible will correct that off thought that a person may have and it forces you to change your theology. This is one of the great problems today because the Word of God is not taught. That's why you need to read the Bible on your own. Like the Bereans in the New Testament, they sought the Scriptures to see if what Paul was saying was true. We need to know what God's Word says. Now, why is that? Why do I even need to know the Bible at all? You may be new here. Maybe it's the first time you've ever been to church or first time you're listening. Why do I even know the Bible, need to know the Bible at all? I think that's a fair question. Here's the answer. You live by what you believe. They are directly correlated together. Now, how you live... What you do will be directed by what you believe. As an example, I've shared this before, but it's a concern to me of the most dark proportion on earth. We're all very much aware of the virus that is spreading around the world right now. This new strain, the Delta, is more vicious that seems that the earlier version of last year. And I believe that this disease is not done yet, friends. It's a morphing disease because it was a man-made disease. But when you stop to think about it for one second, in America, we try to come up with vaccines to cure polio and, and smallpox and all those things. And you get your inoculate, all those things that we do here to try to help men. What you believe is how you live your life. In the communist world, they have no God. In fact, in order to become a member of the party in Russia, you had to deny God. The way they would train their children is this. They would have children line up. Okay, all you kids pray for God to give you candy. Well, God give us candy. Is there any candy? Did you get any? No. Now, look at us and say, government, give us candy. And they said, give us candy. And they went down and put candy in all their hands. There is no God. Government is everything. Now, you stop to think about that for a minute. What am I saying? Simply this. If you really study Karl Marx, Marxism, communism, if you don't work, you don't eat Period. 
There's no regard for old. There's no regard for sick. Where did this disease come from? Does anybody know the truth? Wuhan, China. And in Wuhan, China, just about the center of the Chinese world and communism, if you're old, if you're sick, you're a worthless mouth that eats. What a wonderful disease to kill off old people and sick people. While in America, we're trying to make vaccines to prolong people's life that are sick and ill and old. They are inventing diseases to kill people. Now stop to think about this for a minute. What you believe, what you know is how you live your life. If you believe life is from God, that you, as our Constitution says, was endowed by a creator, God, then God has a purpose for you. But if you're just a cosmic mistake, one of the communal communistic idea that we all work together, and when you get old, go do your civic duty and die, that, friends, is where we're at. This is how it got here. The disease came from the philosophy of the Communist Party. If you're old, if you're sick, go die. Now, the reason I get upset over this is this. I watch our American news media change, lie, distort facts into the stratosphere because they don't know God. The good news today is God's word is true. And what you believe about God's word will preserve you in the days to come. If you do not know God's word, you will find yourself falling to their lies. The children of Israel were in slavery for 430 years. Actually, they were in Egypt for 430 years. And better than the last half, they ended up as slaves. Because the Bible says, Pharaohs grew up that did not remember the great things that Joseph did in interpreting that Pharaoh's dream and giving them food as they stored up their grain and all those things. And they became enslaved. God sent Moses a deliverer saying, let my people go. Exodus 5.2, Pharaoh responds and says, who is this God that I would know him and let his people go? Boy, that's a stupid question to ask. God says, you want to know who I am? I'll show you who I am. And we have the ten plagues, the tenth of that being the firstborn of all of Egypt died because they did not have the blood on the door. I pray today you've got the blood of Jesus on the door of your heart. Because that's what causes the death angels to stay away. Friends, there is something that is haunting man. I don't know if you've noticed this. It's called death. Oh, in America, we clean it up. We make it nice. We make it sweet. You won't rot in your plot when you see what we got. Don't be in the ground with no one else around. You see these these commercials for mortuaries on TV like they're selling popcorn. We'll be the last one to let you down. Really? And you start seeing how we've massaged death into something that is, that is, you know, I, I, well, as the song goes, 
I, I, I don't believe in heaven and I pray there ain't no hell. Well, that's kind of what we've become. But the truth of the matter is, you can't run, you can't hide from the hound of heaven. That Holy Spirit that reminds you that someday the game will be over and we're all going to stand before God and we're going to give an account of our life. I want every one of you listening today to stand before God where he looks at you and says, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of the Lord. Because you see, one life will soon be passed. You know, I don't know how many people have noticed this. As you get older, time goes faster. I don't know why that is. I don't know how it works. But I remember when I was five years old and mom told me to stand in the corner and I went and stood in the corner for five minutes. It seemed like 10,000 years. Amen? Now, a month goes by like that. Where they tell you you're over, you're overdue on your trash bill. I just paid that yesterday. Oh, it was a month ago. They say when you get older and you reflect on time, double it. In other words, oh, I was there two years ago. No, you were there four years ago. Why? Because the relevancy of time, the longer you live, five minutes doesn't mean anything anymore. Paul says our life is but a vapor. We're here for a short time and then we're gone. And oh, saints, the Bible says work for the night is coming when no one can work. I want you to be equipped the very best you can to understand how critical the days that we live in are. We are groping. There's a world that does not know God. They are racing towards a destination of destruction. And you, you are God's hands. You're his feet. Oh, and how many times in my life I have been sidetracked. I have, I have allowed myself to be, to be entertained and brought off to the side in, in the uh, book Pilgrim's Progress. And you see Pilgrim's progression towards literally eternity. You see how oftentimes in the story he would be brought off his main goal by things that twinkle and sparkle. Listen, everything that glitters is not gold. And there's a lot of things in our lives that we think, well, I've gone through and and that God won't use me because of this or that or the other thing. Listen, God is bigger than the things you've done wrong. And if he isn't, he ain't much of a God, is he? I get so tired of hearing Christians judge other Christians by their life or what they've done. And they do nothing other than criticize people who love God that are trying to do something. Friends, please don't ever be one of them. Jesus said, if they're not against us, they're for us. But they've never read the Bible. You see, they have their own concept. Their righteousness is in themselves. And they want to put you down for whatever it might be, whatever your past might have been. Listen, the children of Israel did not have a good track record, not even in Egypt. And we remember that when God sent Moses to them the first time, when he killed the Egyptian guard, looked here and looked there and buried him in the sand, he thought that the the children of Israel would be grateful that he conked one of the Egyptians that was beating them up. And instead, they, they turned him into Pharaoh. And you look at this and you realize 40 more years of slavery. When God sent Moses the first time, they rejected him. They stayed in slavery 40 extra years. You see, God has a promise for you, in you, because he loves you. 
Now, as we look at this story today, chapter 13 of Exodus, the very first verse starts off and it says, The Lord said to Moses, saying, Set apart to me all the firstborn, whatever opens the womb among the children of Israel, both man and animal, it is mine. God gets the first. God gets the best. God went after the firstborn of Egypt because he told Pharaoh, Israel is my firstborn. Let him go and worship me in the wilderness. Pharaoh said, "Uh uh-uh, can't go for that. God says, okay, I'm going to take your firstborn. And that's what happened in the 10th plague. Pharaoh was heartbroken. He said, leave, get out of my country. He left. But as we're going to read here today, he had a change of heart. Why is that? Because we forget how bad Pharaoh really is. Pharaoh's a hard taskmaster, everyone. He really is. You know, you live in a world that doesn't know God. You find that these people sometimes will profess something, but it's not there. God, again, the devil will offer you all kinds of things. But in the long run, he'll cheat you every time. That's one of the things the Bible says. The firstborn belongs to God. Now, again... It's interesting that um, we talked about that last week. How many of you are firstborn? You see, you belong to God right out of the womb. Isn't that something? So live up to your calling. I just want to encourage you to do that because God loves you. He's got a purpose for you. You want to do that. The next few verses here, we're not going to take time to read them because I want to get into chapter 14 because of tonight as well. But it deals with keeping the Passover. Part of keeping the Passover is they were to eat no no leavened bread. They had to eat unleavened bread for seven days. Louis Pasteur looked at bread under a microscope and saw what he called wee little beasties. What it was is bacteria. Isn't it amazing? The Bible said eat unleavened bread. Why? Because there is no bacteria in Jesus Christ, the bread of life. It is funny that long before microscopes and Louis came along, the Bible said there was something weird about leaven. Leaven is bacteria. And in Christ, there is no bacteria at all. And so they were to eat it for seven days. And along with that, and the Paschal lamb that they would roast, and all these things were reminiscent of when they were in Egypt. One of the things they were to eat was the bitter herbs. And people go, why would you have this great memorial dinner and eat bitter herbs? I mean, you bite it, probably like eating Brussels sprouts or something. I don't know, but whatever it was. I don't know how many people ever eat those things. They look like little mini cabbages. You think, oh, that looks good. You can't put enough butter on them to eat them. They are just like bitter, nasty things. Well, bitter herbs, why? It was to remind the children of Israel how bitter their life was when they were in Egypt. And how easy it is to forget what it's like to be in slavery to Satan. And so this is what where he talks about. And so he says, even bind it in little boxes on your on your head. So you'll remember not to forget what it was like to be in slavery to Satan. Let's go to verse 17. It came to pass when Pharaoh had let the people go 
that God did not lead them by the way of the land of the Philistines, although it was near, for God said, lest perhaps the people change their minds when they see war and return to Egypt. God says, I'm not going to lead you by the logical way. In other words, they were in the land of Goshen, that is in the upper eastern part of Egypt. And the idea would have been to just cross over the Red Sea and then you'd be on your way to the promised land. A very short trip out by where the Gaza Strip is today, out that direction. But that land was controlled by the Philistines. But God did not do that. Now, now, as I shared with you last week, when God does something, he usually does several things at once. We'll pray we have something we want God to do. But God says, well, I'm glad you're praying, but I'm going to do many other things in that window of what you need God to do. Notice he says, it says uh, that they did not go the logical way. They went in an illogical direction. So God led the people around the way of the wilderness of the Red Sea, and the children of Israel went up in orderly ranks out of the land of Egypt. And Moses took the bones of Joseph with him, for he had placed the children of Israel under a solemn uh, oath, saying, God will surely visit you. You shall carry up my bones from here with you. And so they took their journey from Succoth and encamped at Etham on the edge of the wilderness. And so instead of going north and into the promised land, Moses led them south in a very weird pattern. Now, now I got to tell you something. God sometimes does things that we don't understand. And this is where faith comes in. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. God uses weird things to accomplish his work. He used me. That's pretty weird. I know God will use us to do what he wants to do. He led them the opposite logical direction, going back to the promised land by going the opposite way. Think about that for a minute. So, it says, And they took their journey, and they went to the edge of the wilderness. And the Lord went before them by day in a pillar of cloud to lead the way, and by night the pillar of fire to give them light, as to go by day and night. And he did not take away the pillar of cloud by day or the pillar of fire by night, from before the people. This is how God directed them. There was a cloud of smoke. By the way, uh, I don't know how many people have been on a good, hot Idaho day, and you see those puffy, billowy clouds, and all of a sudden one comes over and blocks out the sun for a few seconds, and you go, oh, it's so nice and cool here. That's exactly how God led them. This pillar of smoke shielded them from the heat of the day, and this is how they were led. And at night... They stayed close because the pillar of fire kept them warm in the wilderness. Now, remember, friends, this is a demonstration of God's presence in their life day and night. Hey, mom, dad, what's that big, big fireball right there? Oh, that's just God keeping us warm at night. Oh, okay, that's cool. Now you say, well, why is that important? Because when we get into chapter 14, you're going to see some amazing things here. Here, let's look. 
the Lord spoke to Moses saying, speak to the children of Israel that they may turn and camp before Pahareth between Migdal and the sea opposite Baal Zephon and you shall camp before it by the sea. For Pharaoh will say of the children of Israel, they are bewildered in the land and the wilderness has closed them in. Oh man, God is setting Pharaoh up now for a real doozer. Pharaoh interpreted Moses's change of direction as they were confused in the wilderness. Oh, look, they're wandering in the wilderness. They don't even know which way it is to go home. They're going completely the opposite direction. They should be going northeast, and instead they're going southeast. Boy, they're easy pickings. They're bewildered in the land, and the wilderness has closed them in. Then I will harden Pharaoh's heart so that he will pursue them and I will gain honor over Pharaoh and over all his army that the Egyptians may know that I am the Lord. And they did so. Again, go back to Exodus 5, 2. Who is the Lord that I should obey him? (laughs) God says, okay, you want to know? I'll show you. So it says... And it was told the king of Egypt that the people had fled and the heart of Pharaoh and his servants were turned against the people and they said, why have we done this that we have let Israel go from serving us? Why have we done this? Is there something wrong here in the picture? You just went through 10 violent plagues. And they look at Pharaoh and they say, why have we done this? We let all of our slaves go. Isn't it amazing how fast people forget? I am, I am bewildered on how fast in my life I forget. I look at all the, the, the times that, that I've been up against the wall. I pray God delivers me. Until the next time my back's up against the wall again and I go, where are you, God? Like he'd never delivered me ever before. Now I know this to be the fact because I know my prayers and I know, God, where are you? God says, I'm here all along. Didn't you notice everything I did for you? You see, we build glory to glory. When What God has brought you through, he's going to use that to bring you through the next thing that goes through. Why is that? He's making you a mighty person for him. He's building into you faith. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. God builds into you faith. How does he do it? Well, you just go down to the mall and you go to the faith door and say, I like, man, I'd like like 25 pounds of faith, please. Okay, here it is. No, it's by the things that you go through and seeing the faithfulness of God, God in turn then builds and where you get to the point saying, hey, God can do anything. Hey, I'll do that. Look what he says here. Why have we done this thing in letting the people go? Wow. Man, I'll tell you, the lights were on, but no one was home. 
When you just went through the most devastating, probably couple of months in the history of Egypt. And then as their firstborn is dead, as their animals are dead, they look at Pharaoh and said, well, why did we let him go? Don't you remember a few chapters back? They said to Pharaoh, let the people go or we'll all be dead. I am amazed how fickle, how quickly people attitudes change on things. So he says, so he made ready his chariot and took his people with him. He took 600 choice chariots, all the chariots of Egypt with captains over every one of them. In other words, he brought out the best of his military might. And he didn't just have a bunch of chariot drivers. He had the captains running these chariots. And so it says, And the Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and he pursued the children of Israel, and the children of Israel went out with boldness. That's all they had, friends. They didn't have any, they didn't even probably have a pocket knife. They didn't have any weapons of war. The only thing they had was that belligerence against being slaves. And they went out with that. And it's interesting, God used that. Now, Israel was noted for being belligerent oftentimes against God. This particular time, they were belligerent against what they should have been rejecting all along. And by the way... We don't ever want to rebel against God, but we want to rebel to what's wrong. So, it says, The Egyptian pursued them, all the horses and chariots of Pharaoh. His horsemen, his army overtook them by the camping by the sea, besides Piharan, before Baal Ziphon. And Pharaoh drew near, and the children of Israel lifted up their eyes. Behold, the Egyptians marched after them, so they were very afraid, and the children of Israel cried out to the Lord. By the way, that's a good place to cry out to. When you're in trouble, you know who to call. I think that was good. But here's the problem. Verse 10, they said to Moses, because there were no graves in Egypt, Have you taken us away to die in the wilderness? Why have you dealt with us to bring us up out of Egypt? Now remember, you've got the pillar of fire, you've got the cloud of smoke, and they're still doing this. And they're going to continue to do this for 40 years. Now, again, look at this. They have the pillar of fire, they have a cloud of smoke, they're complaining to Moses, They've already forgot what it was like to be a slave in Egypt. You don't think the devil knows how to make the old life look attractive to you? Oh, hey, man, remember when you used to go out, get loaded and smash up your car and, you know, cuss out your girlfriend and then have, you know, this is uh, the philosophy of the world. You know, marriages in the world are like a deck of cards. Do you realize that? A lot of people don't realize that. Starts off... With two hearts and a diamond. And by the end of it, they're looking for a club and a spade. Yes, that's the way the world is. They have a different concept of the way things are. We as Christians, we have a different way of looking at life. 
Now he says, they cried out, was there not enough graves in Egypt? Thus the bitter herbs. They had already forgotten less than a week. They had already forgotten what it was like to be a slave. So they said to Moses, well, verse 12, is this not the word which we told you in Egypt saying, leave us alone that we may serve the Egyptians? Boy, these guys were dug in to really being slaves. For it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than we should die in the wilderness. And Moses said to the people, do not be afraid. Now, I love that about Moses. You know, he didn't look at him and say, you bunch of miserable crybabies. He looked at him and said, don't be afraid. He understood their frailty. By the way, God understands yours. God understands those lapses of faith that we all have. He knows that. And he said, stand still. Oh, I like that. God's going to do it. All God wants you to stand in your faith. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will accomplish for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you shall see again no more forever. Wow, that's a weird thing to say. The Lord will fight for you and shall hold, and you shall hold your peace. And the Lord said to Moses, why do you cry to me? Tell the children of Israel to go forward. But lift up your rod, stretch it out over the sea and divide it. And the children of Israel shall go on dry ground through the midst of the sea. And indeed, I will harden the hearts of the Egyptians, and they shall follow them. So I will gain honor over Pharaoh and over all of his army, his chariots, and over all of his horsemen. You know, I I think this is kind of amazing, because here you got Pharaoh's army coming down on your back. You got the Red Sea in front of you. You got mountains on either side. The only way out is up. You know, it seems like God likes to put us in that position. I don't know why. When you don't see any way, this is going to work. And why does God do that? I think it's to show us that he is the only way out of it. You know, a lot of times I want to look around and say, well, you know, it's the old thing. A guy falls off the cliff, holds onto a branch, and he's dangling over the canyon. And and he hears a voice, let go. He goes, oh, God, save me, let go. Is there anybody else up there? No, I mean, that's the way we are. We're looking for an alternative. God says, the only way out is up. Now we're going to see how God does this. Then the Egyptians will know that I am the Lord when I've gained honor for myself over Pharaoh, his chariots, and over his horsemen. And the angel of the Lord, who went before the camp of Israel moved and went behind them. And the pillar of cloud went from before them and stood behind them. And the camp, and it came between the camp of the Egyptians and the camp of Israel. And thus it was a cloud of darkness on the one and gave light by night to the other so that one did not come near the other all that night. And Moses stretched out his hand over the sea And the Lord caused the sea to go up 
back by a strong east wind all night and made the sea into dry land and the waters were divided. So the children of Israel went into the midst of the sea on the dry ground and the waters were a wall to them on their right and on their left. And the Egyptians pursued and went after them into the midst of the sea, all of Pharaoh's horses and his chariots and his horsemen. Now right here, this to me is weird. You got the children of Israel going through the midst of the Red Sea, the water heaved up on both sides. That's a miracle. The children of Israel are going through on dry ground. But what is weird is Pharaoh's army is following them looking with probably fish poking their heads out of the water. What do you see? I don't know. This is weird. All of a sudden, what is really strange here is that Pharaoh army followed them into the Red Sea. It tells me that the world, when it's full of rage, throws all caution aside. Friends, isn't that the way it is? You realize the things that people in the world tell you to do, and it, 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 it seems ridiculous, and yet people still do that. What you believe is how you live your life. That's why Jesus said, you must be born again. You need God's divine eyesight in your life. Or you begin to believe the lies of the world. And sometimes the lies of the world are logical, coupled with complete illogical reasoning. And this is what we find today in our world. We find it in our friends. We find it in our governments. We find it in our job sites. We find it everywhere. We realize that we're being manipulated. Oh, is this, what does that really come down to? It means simply this, that we are taken advantage of by the world. Satan is a hard taskmaster. This is a picture of living before we come to Christ. We lived as slaves to Pharaoh, to Satan. We become born again. We're leaving the life of slavery for every one of us when you become born again. And we're on our way to the promised land. And we go through the Red Sea, a type of baptism, where your old controllers, those things that manipulated your life, are wiped out. God, all the way through the Bible, used water to separate. From land, the water, from land masses to land masses. He used water in the great basin there in the, in the, the temple. When John the Baptist told the Jewish people, you Jewish nation, you need to take a ceremonial washing. You need to separate yourself from religiosity, thinking you inherited your righteousness to where it gets back to you and your personal relationship with God. See, they'd always say to Moses, or uh, say to Jesus, well, Moses taught us, or our father Abraham. They were hanging their spirituality on their ancestors rather than what has God done for you today. You look at that today in the world. People say, are you a Christian? Well, yeah, my money says in God we trust. Christian nation, I'm a Christian. Well, is that true? Not necessarily. 
Going to church, I like the old saying, going to church doesn't make you any more of a Christian than going into McDonald's makes you a hamburger. Well, that's the truth. We think sometimes our locale determines what we are, but it isn't. It's a relationship with God. So he says, The Egyptian pursued and went after them into the midst of the sea, all of Pharaoh's horses, his horsemen, his chariots. Verse 24. And it came to pass in the morning, watch, that the Lord looked down upon the army of the Egyptians through the pillar of fire and cloud, and he troubled the army of the Egyptians. How did he do that? He took off their chariot wheels. (laughs) I thought you tightened the bolt. No, I thought you tightened the bolt. They're in the middle of the Red Sea and the wheels start falling off their chariots. Now, friends, I don't know how God does this stuff. But the Bible says that he did. By the way, 600 chariots. Picture yourself on the 405 freeway in in, uh, Southern California, okay? And you have just a couple of cars with the wheels that come off the car. You're going to have a massive traffic jam. Here in the middle of the Red Sea, this is probably the first recorded traffic jam you're going to find. You have 600 chariots going through. A couple of them, their wheels fall off, creates a traffic jam. And they go, "Uh (laughs) uh-oh. Because they realize now they can't go forward to get their chariots turned around in the middle of the Red Sea. I don't imagine that that corridor where the water stood up was a mile wide. I imagine it was a pretty narrow corridor for them to try to turn around, all that kind of stuff. They're trapped. They're here in the middle of the Red Sea. The wheels fell off their chariots. You don't have to have them fall off of all the chariots. You just have to have them fall off a few. That'll do the job. So it says... Took off the chariot wheels and drove them with difficulty. And the Egyptians said, let us flee from the face of Israel for the Lord fights for them against the Egyptians. Well, that's a problem because we ain't got no wheels no more. Verse 26. And the Lord said to Moses, stretch out your hand over the sea that the waters may come back upon the Egyptians on their chariots, upon their horsemen. And Moses stretched his hand out over the sea when the morning appeared and the sea returned to its full depth while the Egyptians were fleeing into it. So the Lord overthrew the Egyptians in the midst of the sea. The waters returned and covered the chariots, the horsemen and All the army of Pharaoh came into the sea after them, not so much as one of them remained. And the children of Israel had walked on dry land in the midst of the sea, and the waters were a wall to them on their right hand and on their left. So the Lord saved Israel that day out of the hand of the Egyptians, and Israel saw the Egyptians dead on the seashore. Friends, I think that's really important. Why does it say that? Because, hey, your enemy really is dead. He's, he, they saw, you know, some people believe that they went through, and I don't know whether they were holding on to things and floated to shore or died or whatever, but some people believe this is where they picked up the weapons of the Egyptians as they met the Amalekites and the other uh, battles that they were to fight later on. This equipped them with some armament. I don't know if that's true or not. That was speculated by some historians. 
But they saw their enemies dead. Do you see your past dead today? Do you see what and how the devil controlled you and manipulated you and all the things that he does? Do you see that dead? Because you see, you have a new life in Christ. That blood that was on the doorpost of the lambs, all those lambs left with the children of Israel, that Jesus is the Paschal Lamb to take away the sins of the world. His blood on your heart keeps the death angel away and gives you a brand new life. This morning, I pray that you understand what you believe is how you live your life. If you believe you're a cosmic accident, that you evolved from cosmic sludge, lightning in a swamp, and here we all are, you're going to live your life like an evolved sludge ball. But if you realize that you were endowed by your creator, that God divinely made you for a reason, like he makes everything, you got quite a, you got quite a heritage in Christ. You see, the thing is, this morning, you belong to God. Have you given yourself back to him? I would invite you to consider that today. Thus Israel saw the great work which the Lord had done in, e- done in Egypt. So the people feared the Lord and believed the Lord and his servant Moses. Wow. That's why we have baptism. It's a picture type. You know, Jesus fulfilled all those things. He was the Paschal Lamb that takes away the sins of the world. That Passover that happened, that death angel passed over, the death angel passed over you and me. And then you find, again, that life, the new life you have in him today. All things, Paul says, pass away. Behold, all things become new. This morning, I pray you realize your heritage in Christ. That it's not an accident, but divinely appointed by God. What you believe is how you live your life. You, as a Christian, serve a miracle-working God. And against all odds, and it doesn't matter what anybody else says, doesn't matter what any other Christian says, what matters is between you and God. And you have been divinely set apart for his purpose. Live in that purpose. Be in that purpose. Like a fish in water, like Luke says in the book of Acts, in him, speaking of Jesus Christ, we live, move, exist, and have our being. That is like a fish in water. That's who you are. The devil wants to paralyze you. Remember, serving Pharaoh was not a life. Serving Pharaoh was bondage. As you become a Christian, and as you become baptized, the Bible says we buried in Christ, we're alive in him. This morning, if you're not a Christian, I want to invite you to consider something. What do you believe about life? Where is your value system coming from? From American Top 40? The words in the country western songs, I like my truck. Well, you see, there's a lot more to life than those things. That is Pharaoh dangling those things that glitter that aren't gold to keep you from the main point of why you are here. Today, God loves you. He died on the cross for you. 
that you would have a brand new life in him. This morning, I just want to invite you. Don't let anything, anything separate you from the love of God. That's what the devil wants. If he can't beat you, then he will divert you. As long as you're not doing what God wants, and he'll offer you sparklies over here. Oh, okay, I'll go see what that is. And you're diverted. Remember, we're running out of time, friends. Have you noticed something is really wrong with your world? Do you realize what happened this week? Do, you know, I, I, I'm amazed how people forget. Do you know how we got in Afghanistan? It's because this is where Al-Qaeda was. And Al-Qaeda was behind the bombing of our Twin Towers and, and the Pentagon and everything. They are exporters of terrorism. That's how we got there. And instead of an orderly pullout, we pulled out in two months. Do you realize what has happened? Now listen, this is, this is so important. Because the worthless American news media does not tell you the truth. We have just equipped Al-Qaeda with advanced weapons. We built a one billion, with a B, dollar air base, central command there in Afghanistan that now Al-Qaeda is going to work out of. Exporting of terrorism is going to be at a catastrophic level because no one in Washington has any clue what they're doing. Don't believe me. Watch and see what happens. You cannot give people that are vowed terrorists weapons, jets, air bases without severe consequences. Friends, I believe we are at the end of the line. Because this is going to translate into the help of Iran, which is going to translate into the attack on Israel. We're at the end of the line. I know a lot of people say, well, you know, I'll get right with God. I knew God. I, I, I'll just wait till, you know, I'm, I'm laying there in the hospital bed and I've got enough hoses coming in and out of me. Oh, I look like spaghetti factory. And I'm just going to lay there. And then, oh, Jesus. Oh, yeah. Okay. I accept Jesus as my Savior. Amen. Ah. What a terrible way to live. You can lay up for yourself treasure right now in heaven. Being about your father's business. I know a lot of people say, well, I want to wait till the last minute. This is the last minute. Look at your newspaper. What distorted news we get. Friends, it ain't good. We have just equipped the number one terrorist organization in the world with billions and billions of weapons and dollars. It's insane. It's insane. That's how we got there, was to stop the terrorism. Somehow along the line, like the children of Israel forgot what it was like in Egypt, we forgot why we were in Afghanistan. It was to stop the terrorism. Now they have the pedal to the metal, friends. And you think you've seen an unstable world? (laughs) Work for the night is coming. 
We're on the edge of the end. Jesus said, don't be like the people of the world. When they see these things, they can't interpret the data at hand. You, children of light, be aware. I invite people to church all the time. Sometimes I just say, hey, come to church. Hey, listen to CSN. Whatever it is that it takes, I try to tell people, hey, listen, there's another way to live out there than living for Pharaoh, i.e. Satan, being about daddy's business. This morning, if you look at the news, and by the way, friends, I, I do. And you know, for the first time, I, I got to tell you, it was probably Thursday. And I was over on the Oregon coast. And you know, when you sometimes when you're just kind of, I was on a beach and uh, uh, over over uh, by uh, Rockaway Beach, if anybody knows where that's at in Oregon. And I was just sitting there on the beach and I was just thinking. And I was thinking about Al-Qaeda, billions of dollars in weaponry. And by the way, they said they can sell. Now listen, they said they can sell a lot of our weapons. They can sell them to China, who in turn will then reverse engineer them and make the, the knockoffs. They got our latest technology. We just walked away from it. And I, I, all of a sudden, I got this overwhelming wave of fear on me. I go, God, this is it. Because when you stop to think, and I shared this last week, there's not a weapon mankind has ever made that he's not used. And when you realize Iran has nuclear capabilities and North Korea has, and these countries are poor, they will sell their weapons to anyone. You think it's just going to keep going on and going on and going on. Friends, it isn't. Remember who you serve and why you serve him. If you're not a Christian here today, I feel really sorry for you. You need to do everything you can do to stay up all night and worry about all the things you need to worry about. And when I was on the beach and I was worried about all those things as well, all of a sudden, it's just like God says, I'm still in control. I've got my hand on your life. And friends, that lets you sleep at night. If you're not a Christian here listening, I want to encourage you to accept Christ today. We're going to pray right now. And you can ask Jesus into your life. You need to. Because he's the only one that's really going to direct your life to have you do what God wants you to do. Otherwise, what are you living your life for? Next party, dude. You know, what, what, what's, what, what lights your fire? What you believe is how you live your life. And if you believe that it's just going to go on and on and on and on, You're going to live your life a lot differently than if you believe what Jesus said. When you begin to see these things, look up your redemption draws nigh. You're going to live your life differently. If you're not a Christian here today, we're going to pray. And you could ask Christ into your life. If you want to change, you want to repent, let's do that. Let's pray. Father, I come to you in Jesus' name. And I invite you into my life today. I'm sorry the foolish way that I have lived. And I want to be used by you from now on. I believe Jesus died on the cross for me. His blood covered my sins. And so now, fill me with your Holy Spirit. Empower me, God, to be about 
your business. Please write my name in your book of life that I spend eternity with you. And Lord, thank you for saving me, changing me. In Jesus' name, amen.